Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your sex life and your marriage. And I am joined today by my daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach. Hello, hello. My husband's going to peek in a little bit later, and we're going to talk too. Um, and we're going to talk about what it means to not sweat the small stuff and how and the whole the whole idea that if mama ain't happy no one's happy yeah well we've all heard that and let's talk about that but before we do that evidence-based we are the evidence-based blog and we are in the middle of a new survey it is our matched pair survey gender roles in marriage we have ethics approval from queen's university with my husband dr keith gregoire is the primary researcher and there is a link to that study where you can take it we're looking for married couples where at least one of them is a christian and it's going to be awesome it's for our new marriage book and we're so excited to have people um join us and help us and you are the ones who make this possible because without you taking the survey we couldn't have done what we've done so far and so the link is in the podcast notes we're so excited to have this to share with you um please pass it around and uh it is an anonymous survey so even your spouse you know won't have access to your responses so um do check that out and and yeah we're excited to see some of the some of the responses are already coming in and yeah we're just we're just really happy to see how this is playing out and as always it's a huge help to us if you can uh share the survey to people who may not already know about us and what we do Mm -hmm. Uh, we like to get a really wide pool of Mm -hmm. uh, participants and respondents and so i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing the results from this and you have all been such amazing champions Mm -hmm. of this research and you have been so instrumental in helping us change the conversation about sex about marriage in the evangelical circle in the evangelical church simply by elevating the voices Mm -hmm. of the people who are already in it and i think that's what's so cool about this and i'm i I think this is going to be a great one matched pair is so fun because we Mm -hmm. can see actually what couples say as well as what individuals within the couple say it's very interesting joanna is already salivating waiting to get on to the results from this we've already talked about like all the different things that we want to run so i i can't wait to show it to you but first thing we have to actually have some data to show you yes so so please take it share it and the link is in the podcast notes so cool and a special thank you to our patron group who has been so instrumental in funding oh um, what we do and it's also just an amazing place on the internet um when you join our patron group which you can do for as little as five dollars a month um you can get access to our exclusive facebook group to unfiltered podcasts and more and that's our safe space on the internet so so yes you can come on over and And i will say i will say as we're talking about patreon if you join this week you get to still be a part of our book club Yes. Yes. So we're doing a new one. We did a book club back in September. It was fantastic. The conversation was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was such an interesting group. We're doing a new one on Jill Duggar's book, Counting the Cost. Jill Duggar. Dillard. Dillard. (laughs) Yeah. Jill Dillard's uh, book, Counting the Cost. We're doing it. I'm very excited. It's going to go throughout the rest of November and probably a little bit into December. Mm -hmm. And so if you join now, you've only missed one week. Yes. And so so you can catch up. It's super easy, but it'll be, it'll be included if you join the Patreon. Yeah. But before we jump into today's podcast, just a special thank you to our sponsor, NOCD.com. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine being worried about committing a sin in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make it go away. That's religious OCD. It comes with unrelenting, intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about breaking a religious rule or offending God. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Go to NOCD.com to get evidence-based treatment, always provided by licensed therapists. All right. 
So here we go. I, I have a bunch of little things that I want to talk about today that mm-hmm. people have alerted me to. And again, I don't go seeking these things out. People send them to me. Yeah. And, and I want to use an Elizabeth Elliot quote to kind of frame our whole discussion today. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just no comment. <laughs> All right. So here we go. So this is from an article that she wrote on the essence of femininity. Okay. And Elizabeth Elliot was the widow of Jim Elliot, mm-hmm. who was one of the five missionaries who was killed in Ecuador in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And she wrote, she, she became quite famous because she wrote um, some books on it. Um, and Wheaton College has really promoted her in, in Jim's marriage and their work. But she's become like this, this, this expert from past mm-hmm. on like femininity and women's roles in the church and it's yeah mm-hmm. it, she's a very complicated church figure yeah she is um, um and we looked at her book passion and purity when we were writing she deserves better it was one of the the books that we analyzed for our study um and here she is talking about the essence of femininity she says this is what i understand to be the essence of femininity it means surrender think of a bride She surrenders her independence, her name, her destiny, her will, herself to the bridegroom in marriage. This is a public ceremony. (laughs) You need to let me finish, child. Okay. This is a public ceremony before God and witnesses. Then in the marriage chamber, she surrenders her body, her priceless gift of virginity, all that has been hidden. As a mother, she makes a new surrender. It is her life for the life of the child. This is most profoundly what women were made for, married or single. And the special vocation of the virgin is to surrender herself for service to her Lord and for the life of the world. All right. There's so many things we can say. Okay, so first of all, okay, I I have thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. First of all, like, let's, let's address the truth to this. Okay. Let's address, let's address the truth. Yes. Because there is some truth there to this. There is truth to this. Again, as someone who has been very open about having two very, very, very difficult child labors, mm-hmm. Connor cannot do that for me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like in our marriage, there are certain things that I have to do because I'm the one with the uterus. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that. There is a level where women's bodies were created... To mm-hmm. be more sacrificial because we are literally growing. Like I'm not saying every woman has to, but I'm saying from a biological perspective, mm-hmm. the role of the male and the female body are very different. And the female mm-hmm. body, biologically and reproductively speaking, <laughs> okay, because that's the whole point of biology is each living individual's entire goal is to reproduce and then die. Yes. <laughs> and just make yes. sure they don't die before they reproduce, right? Biologically yes. speaking, that's what we talk about. And so their bodies are the ones where the infant is literally taking, mm-hmm. right? Like the dude, well, he's there. <laughs> yeah. And and his role in reproduction is 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 kind of a lot more fun and, and a lot um, quicker. Yes, but there's a level where, where genuinely, I do think Elizabeth Elliot is correct in saying that women's, bo- women are created in a more naturally sacrificial position simply because of the nature Mm -hmm. of how reproduction in human beings works. Right. Right. So what I'm not saying is if you don't have kids, you're not like a good, like don't hear any of that. I'm literally talking from a reproductive biological standpoint. Yes. Okay. Um, And and there is a sense where in sex, I I don't like the word surrender. I don't like in that sex either. at all. I would use the word vulnerable. Yeah, w- yeah. It's 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 a level where there is something different about. Yeah, there's just the the physical experience. 
Yeah, to say that she surrenders to him really makes it sound like it is some sort of a fight um, and, and, and has some coercion or some really negative repercussions yeah. or insinuations there. But but there is no doubt that she is certainly more vulnerable mm-hmm. when it comes to sex. And I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I have, I have a, okay, let's just, let's just take the big picture from this for a minute, though. Mm -hmm. What she's saying is that this is the essence of femininity, which means these things are not masculine. Yeah, exactly. So so men do not do this. So when men get married, they don't surrender their independence. Yep. When men get married, they don't surrender their destiny. They Mm -hmm. don't surrender their will. Mm -hmm. They don't surrender themselves. Mm -hmm. And like, no. Hold on a second. I don't want to marry a guy who's not going to. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'll marry you, but like, I'm going to still go to the bar. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. When we get married, we each do this. It's yeah, not exactly. just her that does this. We each do this. Yeah. This is not about femininity. Like, and even in reproduction, okay, you want the man to also surrender his time and his body in the sense that he's going to get up in the middle of the night too. Well, can he's I tell you the funny story about that with, uh, with us? Yeah. So Connor actually had to do more physiotherapy after my labor than I did. Yes. Yes. I remember I was there. Yeah. I had a 23 hour protracted labor that stalled for a while Mm -hmm. and I had doubling back contractions. Mm -hmm. So Connor, my sweet husband, um, learned all the counter pressure points. Right. And he did them and and I was in so much pain. I was like, you have to go harder. And so anyway, he caused himself to have carpal tunnel in his wrist and he had to go to physiotherapy and he had to get braces for his wrists and he had to do all this stuff because he then couldn't like use a mouth. House. Yeah, because it hurts so bad. He was such a champ. He was a champ. But honestly, and the other thing too is like in our marriage, you know, you, yeah, the husband can do other things to surrender and to sacrifice because my body was so spent. Mm-hmm. And so then Connor was like, of course, I'm going to get up early with the kids. That's not even a question. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in a lot of marriages because of this kind of crap. Because yeah. women are meant to be kind of miserable and sick and tired all the time. Because right. that's women's job to, to, to sacrifice. It's not men's job to sacrifice. It's women's job to sacrifice. And so they don't think about how mom is so tired that's just the mom's job yes versus connor was like you shouldn't be more tired than me yes and when when we talk about how she is supposed to oh i I, one other bit that she surrenders her priceless gift of virginity what about his priceless gift of virginity like like there there is nothing more priceless and gift-like about her virginity than there is about his and i don't even like talking about virginity as a gift because Um, virginity but, is something that can be taken from you. Virginity is not a moral thing. But also, hopefully, you're having sex more than once in your entire marriage. So what is it all downhill from there? I know, like, like it's just, it's just not. It, you know, like even if you want to wait for marriage for sex, and there's very good reasons for doing so. Um, <laughs> you know, this is not, this is not like you are presenting your spouse with a a, a gift of virginity which they are now owed. Right? Like, and, and this is part of the problem is that we're mm-hmm. seeing it as my spouse is owed my virginity. So if I'm not a virgin, I have deprived my spouse. I've defrauded them of something. And that whole that whole way of thinking is so backwards yeah, and wrong. And, and and we mentioned it and she deserves better. Our book uh, meant for moms of teen girls at How Purity Culture, um, Purity Culture Ideals really hurt girls. And yeah, it, it's toxic. It's totally toxic. So, but that being aside, that, that aside, I just think this whole framing of that the essence of femininity is that you lose yourself and that you give yourself completely up for other people yeah actually has implications in how we talk to women about other stuff well and it's so can i say like it's so dumb and i'm gonna say why it's so dumb 
So what she's actually describing here is the natural repercussion of a patriarchal society, right? It's the Mm -hmm. exact same thing that God talks about during the fall where he says, listen, like this is now the curse that has befallen you, you know, like your like your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you like patriarchy Mm -hmm. is literally a result of the fall. Mm -hmm. So she's saying that this is just how women are. But then she says that that needs to keep happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like what you're saying is the world is fallen. And so because of that, women have to give up independence. They have to give up their will. They're totally at the mercy of men. And isn't that so amazing? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Versus like, look at nature. We would never say about a turtle versus a lizard, right? They're both reptiles. One of them has a shell. One of them doesn't. We Mm -hmm. say, well, then therefore, naturally, the lizard's job must be to get stabbed more. Mm-hmm. because it doesn't have a shell right. so if it had a shell then clearly we shouldn't have to stab it but because it doesn't have a shell clearly it's meant to be you know attacked more and it's like no 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 it just doesn't have protection we don't exploit the lack of protection yeah. we say hey maybe we're extra careful not to step on the lizard yeah like no don't step on turtles either guys but like you know yeah. what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it's it's like it's like we're seeing this thing. It's like look women have no protection in society in a lot of areas women have much less protection than men mm-hmm. and so now we're saying let's lean into that Let's exploit that even more. Let's teach them to ignore any of the protections they actually do have. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep them thinking, well, my job is just to surrender and just to surrender instead of saying, hey, you don't have to surrender. We have rights now, guys. And God likes that. And so let's use them. That's not what we do. And and, and again, to to put this into another perspective, giving and serving is important for all Christians. Yeah. Right? We are all to give and serve as Jesus did. Right? For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. And he is he is our example. He is the one that we follow. So we should all be giving and serving. And, but we also need to love others as we love ourselves, which means that we are still important. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that God's will is not that you are erased. God's mm-hmm. will is that everybody looks more and more like Christ. And if in surrendering, <laughs> you actually enable selfishness and sinfulness in others, which is so often what happens, this is not doing God's will. And so God's will is not that you get stepped on so that other people can have easy lives. Yes. You know, God's will is not that you get erased so that other people can have it cushy. Yeah. (laughs) No, God's will is that we all look more and more like Christ, which means that those around you should be serving you too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there needs to be balance in this. And this whole thing about how the essence of femininity is to disappear and surrender is not Okay. Again, it's like beating up a lizard because it doesn't have a shell. Yeah. All right. So I want that to frame what we're going to look at now, because this is so much of what has been taught, that the essence of femininity is to make yourself small, to give everything up. And what it results in is this. So I want to play you a reel from Holly Furtick's um, Instagram channel. And again, I don't go find this stuff. People send it to me. But Holly Furtick is the wife of Stephen Furtick, who is the pastor of a mega church, Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And on her Instagram channel, she has about half a million followers. Um, and she put out two reels that I, want to, that I want us to listen to. Okay. Okay. So here's the first one. As a woman, you set the atmosphere of your home. You are the thermostat. You have the power to turn up the heat in your home or to cool it down. We all know the same. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And you can either fight this idea or you can embrace it. Maybe you're like me and you thought, I just feel like that's unfair. I mean, why can't I be in a bad mood for an hour? Why can't everyone just leave me alone? 
go do their own thing and let me sulk. I'm with you. But the reality is I don't have that luxury. I can choose to be in a bad mood. Yes, I can. But the whole family is probably going to join me there if I don't pull myself out of it fairly quickly. Guys, I'm sorry if I'm already stepping on some toes. This is a struggle for so many of us. And, and it's a struggle that I have. There are days where negativity just grabs me by the foot and yanks me down. Have you ever felt this way? Okay, now there's several things that I want to say about this one, okay. but but what's your reaction first? Because you haven't okay. heard that yet. This no, is the first I time you're hearing that. This. And I'm I'm very crabby person a mm-hmm. lot of the time. I really am. I'm very emotionally higher low. I uh-huh. get I I and and um that's something that you know I have had to work with. And so I will say to Holly, I do agree with her that we are responsible for not ruminating unnecessarily in being gloomy or glum or cranky. And it mm-hmm. is important for us to learn how to cognitively reframe to kind of get ourselves out of funks before they spiral into really bad funks. Like, I think that's, that's all true. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. you can't be in a bad mood for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not allowed to have negative emotions. Like, okay, you are asking to raise children who don't know how to handle other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but emotions are a part of relationship. Yeah. We have, I have, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very high, very low. I'm very, you know, all or nothing person. No one's really surprised by mm-hmm. that. But it means that I'm really fun when I'm really fun with my kids. And I'm really, and, I'm, and I really struggle when I'm, when I'm in a bad mood. But you know what we just do about it? We just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I can say to Alexander, who's only four years old, he just turned four, and I say, Alex, because he's telling me, mommy, 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 you want to do this? And I'm like, Alex, mommy loves playing with you. Mommy is so grumpy because mommy is so hungry. (laughs) And I say that, mommy is so grumpy right now. I am a grumpy, grumpy grouch. Mm -hmm. And I need you to go play by yourself in the (laughs) living room while mommy sits and reads her book until lunch is ready. Mm -hmm. And he will say, you are a grouch. And I said, I am a grouch. Mm -hmm. And then he walks away and he goes and he plays. And then the other day he came up to me. Because he does this every now and then. And he came up to me. He's not scared because he's used to this. I'm a Mm. grouch for like 20 minutes. And then I'm fine because he Mm. gives me space. (laughs) And he comes up and he just gives me a little hug. And he says, are you better now? And I said, I am so much better now. And he was just, and he wasn't like scared. He was just like, oh, I thought of a nice thing I could do for mommy. Like when you talk about it and then I come over to him, I'm like, I'm feeling a lot better now. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit of space. And then when he's grumpy, you know what he says to me? Mommy, I just need some space right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the cutest thing. And he'll tell his sister that he just needs to play by himself. And then he'll come back to her and he'll say, I'm ready to play together now. And like, that's a part of Mm -hmm. learning how to handle people. Mm-hmm. Because also, if I I have found that if I don't communicate that with my kids, because I'm with them pretty much all the time, you know, mm-hmm. if I don't communicate that, then what happens? And then I do snap at them. And then, yeah, if mama ain't happy, ain't everyone happy. But I'm allowed to not be happy and it doesn't ruin it for everyone else. Yes. Like, that's what I don't understand. Do people not know how to be grumpy without having it not affect everyone else? <laughs> what I think is happening is because they don't ever let themselves be grumpy a little bit. It gets, it builds and it builds and it builds mm-hmm. until it's so big, you're screaming at all the kids. Yeah, I think that's why they think when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy because mommy's not allowed to be grumpy. Point one, mm-hmm. she's only allowed to be grumpy when she can't contain it anymore. Yeah, I think I think there's a bigger thing too going on here, which is this: what is it that we're aiming for in our families? Oh, okay. we're aiming for female erasure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, that's usually what we're aiming for. But but I think what we're aiming for is that we are allowed to tell the truth 
about our relationships so that we can thrive, okay? And we need to be able to tell the truth because if you don't tell the truth, you don't get to deal with stuff. Yeah. So what I would say is like, if we were going to make a flow chart, all right, of like Mm -hmm. how we should act, I think what she has done is she is making a point on, like she she is talking about this, about how you can't be grumpy, but that's actually like step two and she's ignoring step one of the flow chart. Yeah, is there a reason to be mad? Which is like, you need to tell the truth about your relationship and then picture the flow chart splitting into two, which is like, if you are grumpy and you don't have a reason to be or you're overreacting or you need to learn how to emotionally emotionally regulate, mm-hmm. this is actually a fairly good message mm-hmm. that she just gave. And there's a and lot to a certain of people- extent, to a certain extent, because th- I'm that person. I think that a lot of it is also that you you are allowed to feel it, but you're not allowed to make it someone else's. Problem. Yes, absolutely. Because that's, that's what we do in our house. Right. Because, again, the four year old doesn't know how to deal with emotions properly, too. So he has to learn that, too. Right. But yeah, I agree that like the question is, is there a reason to be mad? Yeah. And if and if it like and if it is honestly a you issue you know what i didn't get enough sleep i feel really busy yes. today it's no one's fault it's just the the schedule is crazy and you know i am going mm-hmm. a little bit off kilter and i just need to i need to take a deep breath yep. i need to not let this i need to not take it out of my kids like that is that's a decent message yes. in that case but what if that's not the issue <laughs> what if the <laughs> issue is i am super busy because my spouse is not picking up his share of the load yeah. and because my kids who are teenagers are relying on me to do everything when they should be doing some stuff for themselves mm-hmm. like i am picking up the slack from everybody else mm-hmm. so what if you have a reason yeah and that's what she doesn't address it's just like you need to get rid of the feeling as a and what i'm saying is no 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 there is a prior step yes <laughs> which is you you let's let's just embrace curiosity people Okay, let's embrace curiosity and let's say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this? Yeah. And then what should I be doing about it? Mm-hmm. And it could be that the answer is, hey, you're not supposed to get grumpy and taking that on your kids. But it also could be that, you know what, this is something fairly important. And to tell myself to stuff it down is not the right answer. Yeah. I should actually be making an issue out of this because it can't continue this way. Yeah, and I think it's always easy to find a reason for why you're mad when you're grumpy too. And mm-hmm. I think being honest with ourselves and asking, but is this a real issue or is this just me trying to find it? Like, yes. Okay, like again, yes. Connor and I both leave coffee cups all over the house, right? Mm-hmm. Like both of us do. I do it more than he does because he at least reuses the same coffee cup throughout uh-huh. the day. I don't. Um, and so if I, and, but a lot of times if I've had a bad night's sleep or I haven't had enough to eat for breakfast or something like that, I see his cups and I'm like, he's a dare. This is the worst thing. He leaves his coffee cups. And then <laughs> the other day I, I, I got mad at him for that. And he just said nothing. He just, he just took it cause he, cause yeah, I was grumpy. And then he just walked upstairs and he just carried down four coffee cups <laughs> from my side of the bed. <laughs> no words. <laughs> and we had a really good laugh about it because that was a situation where it's like, Yes, we should be picking up our coffee cups. But both of us do this equally. We both understand this. And I wouldn't have been mad about this if I hadn't already been in a bad mood and was trying to find something to pin the bad mood on. Right. right? Versus earlier when we didn't have mental load figured out when I actually did have a legitimate reason Mm-hmm. to be frustrated right yes. so i think that there's a level where it's like we do have to be able to be honest mm-hmm. and just because you can think of a reason why you're grumpy doesn't always mean yes that, like but at the same time you know that we talked about this stuff that like a lot of time it genuinely is a problem yeah you know and this is the issue when you're making her emotions the problem yes as opposed to the things that are leading up to the emotions being the problem yeah. this is where we get into issues and i also think that if you give yourself permission to just be grumpy mm-hmm. then you stop 
having to make everything a fight too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just in a bad mood, you're just allowed to be in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> you are allowed to be in a bad mood and not make it someone else's problem and yeah. also not have to fix it. Yeah, I remember like, when you guys, especially when you guys were teenagers, I'd be like, you know what? This is not your fault. I know I'm snapping at you. I know that 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 I'm not happy right now. Yeah. None of it's your fault. I, you know, here's what's going on with me. I'm really sorry, but just give me space. And, yeah. and you guys understood that. Yeah. And we were like, awesome. We can probably get ice cream out of this. Later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you guys often did get ice cream out of it. So yes, it was, it was very fun. But again, we are labeling the emotion that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And we are telling women you are not allowed to have emotions. Very similar to what Elizabeth Elliot said, you need to surrender your will, your destiny, everything. You need to surrender it. <laughs> so you're not allowed to have emotions. Now, I want to do a follow-up one with Holly Furtick, where she further explains what to do when you're actually upset about something. Oh, dear. Okay? Have you ever thought about the fact that your husband can be changed in one moment by God? You may have been fussing for years to the wrong person. Because if you take your request to God, God can whisper to your husband in one moment the very words that you have been shouting at him for years. Have you ever thought about the fact that your husband can be so pigheaded <laughs> that it would take years of yelling at him and still nothing could happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I know. Okay, so. What? Yes, yes. What? Yes. What? That, and, and, and I don't want to I don't want to dissect this one too what? much because we did talk about this in Power of a Praying Wife in our podcast about Power of a Praying Wife. But this is basically repeating the same argument. Hey, ladies, if you have an issue with your husband that you've been talking about for years, stop bringing it up. Remember that God can deal with it. What? And it ignores <laughs> the fact that God does not override free will. OK, but like also for pity's sake, like. If you have even a halfway decent relationship, your spouse should care. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Is if you've been talking about the same thing for years and years without improvement, and you've had to scream and yell for, like, 15 years, I'm like, what? Like, at some point, like... I know. I know. But th- let me read you the caption that she has oh dear. with this video. You don't have to nag, hint, or manipulate if you take your request to the right one. You also don't have to nag, hint, or manipulate if you're married to the right one. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> not the God one, but actually someone who listens to you. Yeah. But, okay. Like, so, I, what I would like goodness. to do is to do a bit of a word, to do a bit of a word analysis here, Becca. Okay. Okay. So, I want to read you all of the words that she used in her videos and in the captions to refer to women's attitudes and actions Mm, in these two videos. Okay, so here are the words that Holly Furtick uses about women. Bad mood, sulk, negativity, fussing, shouting, nag, hint, manipulate. Well, see, if all those doggone women would just use their nice words and maybe the men would listen to them. (laughs) She never says anything about drawing boundaries. Yeah. Making, you know. Standing up for yourself. Speaking clearly. Making your request known that you matter. Mm -hmm. She never says anything. Communicating healthily or anything. Right. She just tells women you need to stop fussing, shouting, nagging, 
hinting, manipulating. Now, and she never says, hey, you know, maybe when you were talking to your husband, you weren't actually fussing, shouting, nagging, hinting, or manipulating. Maybe you were just being clear. And that doesn't even enter the conversation. It's like, if a woman raises an issue with a man, she must either be fussing, shouting, nagging, hinting, or manipulating. Yeah, it's like you bring up the problem with the man and then the man gets to decide if you are nice enough bringing it up or not, even though he's likely the one who created the problem since he's the one who you're bringing it up to. Right. It's the same thing with Emerson Egrich in Love and Respect, where he defines every instance where she brings up an issue as her nagging or her being disrespectful. Well, and we know that men bring up issues with their wives all the time. When have you heard men being careful not to nag at their wives? Yeah. No, we talk about accountability and communication when men have problems. Like Mm -hmm. we talk genuinely, even like at marriage conferences, is communicate about sex, but make sure not to nag about housework. Right. Right. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you communicate about sex, but don't nag about housework. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I find this so telling that the words that are used about women having emotions or about women talking to their husbands are all painting women in a really negative light. You know, you have a bad mood, you're sulking, you're negative, you're fussing, you're shouting, you're nagging, you're hinting, you're manipulating. Yep. There's nothing about what if she has a problem and she just wants to communicate it or she wants to draw a boundary or she wants to talk about it? That could very well be what's going on. But because it's her having a problem with her husband, mm-hmm. then it is interpreted in a negative light as her fussing, shouting, nagging, manipulating, hinting. This all stems from that idea from Elizabeth Elliot that a woman's job is to surrender. Mm-hmm. And so if she's not completely surrendering, if she actually has something that she wants from him because she's upset, then she's fussing, nagging, hinting, manipulating, shouting. Yep. Okay, so well, there is no option. Help, right? There is no option for her to just be like, hey, this is an issue. There's no partnership. And this is the whole problem. When you see men as supposed to be in charge of the relationship and women are supposed to surrender to the man's will there is no partnership Mm -hmm. because if you have a thought about how you're like if you're at work you don't tell your boss what they're doing wrong Mm -hmm. in the vast majority of of cases and if you did you probably wouldn't yeah most most people wouldn't like that and that's 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 expected in those kinds of situations but in marriage what does that mean like if you see your role as completely erasing yourself to fit the mold of the man and then you don't like the mold that the man's trying to make, well, you're supposed to just be liquid. You're just supposed to be water, yeah. just filling whatever he wants, right? Like that's, that's yeah. you can't have an actual partnership there. You can't have a biblical marriage in the sense of iron sharpening iron. No. You can't be equally yoked. Yeah. You but you know what Holly Fertick has said is so typical of advice that is given to women. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. Like we've all heard this stuff, right? And the first time you hear it, you might not even realize, wait a minute, that's, that sounds a little bit off. But next time you hear someone giving advice to women, listen to the words that they are using for how women are acting, right? Fussing, hinting, shouting, manipulating. Yeah. Listen, you know, bad mood, sulking, negativity. As, and listen to what they're actually insinuating about women's motives because that's telling way more of the story than the advice they're actually giving. And remember that the advice that Holly Furtick eventually gives is just shut up and pray. 
And <laughs> that's... and they make it sound so spiritual because the God can whisper in his ear. And I was like, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe God gave him you. Yeah, because it's supposed to be iron sharpening iron. And if it's a really big issue and he isn't listening, that's a problem. And so let's do what we always do. And let's actually bring a study into this. Can we do that, Becca? Oh, sure. Okay. So this is an article from the Journal of Perspectives and Social Psychology. um, And it came out in 2008. So it's a little bit older than our usual rule, because we usually say within 10 years. But Mm. around the late aughts, there were a ton of articles written about this concept, which is don't sweat the small stuff. Because there was a big book that was written, Mm -hmm. uh, don't sweat the small stuff um, a couple of years earlier. And this whole concept of don't sweat the small stuff was in research. And you can see a lot of it in these years. Okay, the effect. And so um, the article is called Benevolent Cognitions as a Strategy of Relationship Maintenance. Don't sweat the small stuff, but it is not all small stuff. Yes, so that's, that's the, the big one. And I want to read you the abstract. Now, the abstract tells the whole story. Okay. It's also written in academic ease. So I am going to read a sentence and then you are going to interpret the sentence. Can we do that? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it could be that some of our listeners are going to find this a little confusing. <laughs> this is the most unnecessarily convoluted. I'm reading it now. <laughs> this is very much just, yeah. I love how academics use so many okay, words. So, so I'm going to read it, but but this, this tells an amazing story. Yeah. All right. To maintain intimate relationships in the face of negative experiences, many recommend cognitive strategies that minimize the implications of those experiences for global evaluations of the relationship. Your marriage sucks sometimes. And a lot of experts say, meh, but does it really suck that much? It's pretty good overall, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> but are such strategies always adaptive? But is that a good idea? <laughs> Suggesting otherwise, two longitudinal studies spanning the first four years of 251 new marriages revealed that the effects of benevolent cognitions on relationship development depended on the initial levels of negativity in the relationship. We did some studies, looked at people over four years, and we found that, yeah, like just getting over it works and there's not that much to get over, but when there's stuff to get over, it doesn't work. Cross-sectionally, the tendency to make positive attributions or otherwise disengage global evaluations of the relationship from negative experiences was associated with higher levels of satisfaction in marriages characterized by more frequent negative behavior and more severe problems. At any given moment, people who are saying, well, it's not that bad are going to also report being happier in their marriages overall. And that is even more uh, true of people whose marriages actually had more fighting more often. So in the moment saying, well, it's all going to be fine. Our marriage is good overall seems to help. Right. Longitudinally, in contrast, such strategies only demonstrated benefits to healthier marriages, whereas the predicted steeper decline in satisfaction among spouses in more troubled marriages by allowing marital problems to worsen over time. But if you look over the long term, that strategy of saying, well, it doesn't really matter, turns out it does matter if there's something to matter about. And so the only people for whom it did well for were people who didn't really have that much going on to begin with. (laughs) These findings highlight the limits of purely cognitive theories of relationship maintenance and suggest that widely recommended strategies for improving relationships may harm vulnerable couples Mm -hmm. by weakening their motivations to address their problems directly. Obviously, it's not all in your head. And so if you tell couples that it's all in your head when it's not all in your head, the not in your head part is going to catch up to you. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) Thank you for that. So so to sum up what this thing is saying, and by the way, I love... I I can summarize quickly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh To summarize, in the moment, 
saying, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. This isn't a big deal. We'll make you feel better today. Yeah. But if in doing that, you're covering up a larger problem, that rug that you're dusting all your stuff underneath is just going to get a bigger and bigger and bigger pile until it's embarrassing when someone comes over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're not actually dealing with the problem. And so yeah. if there isn't a problem there, you're also not making a problem where there isn't one. And this is what I want to get into with Holly Furtick's advice, because this is so typical in Christian circles, is what they tell us is don't sweat the small stuff. Don't bring it up. Don't talk about it. Shove it under the rug. Um, it isn't that important. It's all about your attitude. Your attitude's wrong. You need mm -hmm. to love him more yes. and accept him for who he is. That only works over the long term if you are in a positive, healthy relationship. It yeah. does not work in an unhealthy relationship, but it does help marriages stay together in the short term. And so if you're trying just to get people not to divorce right now, that advice is actually pretty darn good. Yeah. But it doesn't help the marriages and it can't be sustained long term. And that I think is why we're seeing so many evangelical marriages start to break up in their 40s and 50s because people can't take it anymore. They have shoved this stuff under the rug for so long. And what we need to be doing instead is not telling women you're fussing, you're shouting, you're nagging, you're hinting, you're manipulating, but telling women, hey, let's figure out how to draw boundaries. Let's figure mm -hmm. out how to bring up these issues in a healthy, positive way. Because it is important to tell the truth about your relationship and to work towards a healthy relationship where iron sharpens iron, not one where you get to be erased. Yeah. And what I find so sad is that when we're, you talk about like healthy versus unhealthy relationships, that's not actually the whole story. Because mm -hmm. it's not that all the relationships are unhealthy. It just means that there are aspects that need to be improved. Yeah. And it only becomes unhealthy if those things aren't improved. Yeah. Right? Like if your issue is just mental load, like, okay, congratulations, you're in the majority of couples. Right. right? You're in the majority of happy couples too. Yeah. The majority of happy couples even have mental load inequalities. Mm -hmm. Like this is a very common issue. Mm -hmm. But if you don't deal with it, yeah. It can become so problematic. It's like, this is something that you can deal with and you can fix. Mm -hmm. These are, there, there are so many areas like that. And I don't want people to get discouraged and say, oh, well, if, if it's, it's either perfect or it's really unhealthy. It's like, no, mm -hmm. you just need to fix it sometimes. Yeah. It might just be broken right now, but you can fix a lot of things that are broken. Yeah. And so this idea that we don't bring up issues, we just mm -hmm. shove them down because it's healthier and it's better and I don't want to be upset. It doesn't work in the long run no. when there's a lot of negative stuff in your marriage. Mama's so allowed to be grumpy. Deal with it. If mama's <laughs> always grumpy, maybe there's a reason. And let's yeah. be curious and ask what that reason is. Exactly. All right. I brought my husband, Keith, onto the podcast. Hey, everybody. And babe, what we've been talking about so far okay. is how advice to Christian women tells them don't sweat the small stuff. Bury it all. Your purpose is to <laughs> surrender. Your purpose is to make yourself small. Mm -hmm. um, and because that's your purpose, then when you do speak up, you are fussing, shouting, complaining, nagging, manipulating, hinting. You're not ever drawing boundaries, communicating. Being assertive. <laughs> yes, you know, you're just, you're just speaking, told that you're doing all these yeah, terrible things. Yeah, right. Speaking the truth in love. None of those kind of things. So yeah. I wanted to look at okay. how a secular marriage researcher right. approaches some of these same issues some some godless heathen yes yes uh, and that is john gottman oh he's great from, he is from the gottman institute probably the gold standard of marriage research around the world uh -huh. and his book seven principles for making marriage work was our control book yeah. in our um in our research for the great sex rescue so we analyzed 13 of the best-selling 
evangelical sex and marriage books and marked them on our rubric of healthy sexuality. And we also marked John Gottman's book mm-hmm. and it scored 47 out of 48. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I forget why. It, I think it lost the one point something about the physical attraction Whatever. thing. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's a great book. Yeah, okay. it really is. Because um, it's based on evidence. It's based on what's actually real and what's true and what works in real life. Yeah. Right. Now, I want to I wanna talk about the chapter on sharing power. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because this is the chapter that we actually analyzed quite a bit in our podcast about Nancy Piercy. Right. Because she quotes from this chapter to say that it doesn't matter whether <laughs> um, you believe in hierarchy or not in marriage. Um, people do just fine yeah. as long, you know, as long yeah. as they're emotionally intelligent. Yeah, right? Exactly. And it's like, that is so not yeah, what John yeah. Gottman said. So the, the, the point of the chapter, from what I recall, it's been a while since I read it, is mm-hmm. this is a real problem in some marriages because they believe religiously the man's supposed to be in charge. Yes. And this can cause real, really huge problems because we know that not sharing power is really, really, really bad. Yeah, and he actually says it results in an 81% yeah. chance of divorce. But yep. those couples can do okay as long as he kind of lets that slide and doesn't make it a big deal and is willing to relinquish power. And he you know, may say he's the boss, but he doesn't really act like the boss. So as long as you do everything you can to like not actually put into practice what you believe, Mm -hmm. you can keep believing these things. Right. And they take from that, this is totally fine to believe these things. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. And so he has, and and so what she's picking up on, the the quote that she used was Mm -hmm. that emotionally intelligent husbands do fine. And so I want to talk about what he says about emotionally intelligent husbands. Perfect. All right. Um, So he says this, my data on newlywed couples indicate that more husbands are being transformed in this way. So they're becoming emotionally intelligent. About 35% of the men we've studied are emotionally intelligent. Research from previous decades suggests that the number used to be much lower. So he's like 35% are emotionally intelligent. That's so Nancy Piercy, when she says, look, emotionally intelligent husbands define, we're talking about 35% people. Here. Still a minority. <laughs> Still only Got 35%. some work to go. And you're right. not increasing that minority by telling men to be in charge of everybody. <laughs> exactly. And so he goes on to talk about um, how emotionally intelligent husbands do some of the things that he's already mentioned in this book. Right. Things like looking for bids to connect, paying attention to their wife's emotional state, like just knowing what's going on in their wife's emotional life in her emotional Mm -hmm. map all Mm -hmm. right and i want to read a little bit more i believe the emotionally intelligent husband is the next step in social evolution this doesn't mean that he is superior to other men in personality upbringing or moral fiber he has simply figured out something very important about being married that the others haven't yet and that is how to honor his wife and convey his respect for her it is really that elementary And he later says, research shows that a husband who can accept influence from his wife also tends to be an outstanding father. He is familiar with his children's world, including their friends and their fears. Because he is not afraid of emotions, he teaches his children to respect their own feelings and themselves. He turns off the basketball game for them too, because he wants them to remember him as having had time for them. Mm -hmm. He goes into in more detail what it means for a husband to be emotionally connected to his wife. And he says it doesn't mean that he he shows emotion in the same way as his wife does. It's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, he has to... He has to cry at the drop of a hat or he has to, not that all women do whatever that either, stereotype but, you but want to whatever say. stereotype you want to yeah. bring in. Like, it's not like he, he does things in the same way as his wife. It's just he, he, is, he is tuned in to his wife's emotional world mm-hmm. and he lets that affect him. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the huge bit. That's what he's talking about in this chapter about sharing influence and sharing power is that he allows his wife's emotional world to affect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just so the opposite of what this Christian advice was given to women, which is your emotional world is not allowed to affect anybody. You need to take all of your emotional world, you need to shove it under the rug (laughs) because if your emotional world is going to make everyone else's lives miserable and if you try to confront any problem, if you try to get your husband to listen to you, you are nagging, hinting, manipulating, fussing, or shouting. Right. That's terrible. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it's just so it's just so crazy because to me, when you look at what the Bible actually talks about husbands, you know, like this is this is just natural. If you're going to be Christ-like, you mm-hmm. want to give of yourself to your wife. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of man who says, "I want to be in charge." Is not being Christ-like. <laughs> I like, know. Like we, we say that the Christian marriage is where the man's in charge, mm-hmm. but any man who wants to be in charge to me is that's by definition not Christ-like because yeah. the whole role Christ said, "I have come not to serve, not to be served, but to serve." Mm-hmm. That's what we should be doing as Christian men. I know, and I I'm I find this so interesting mm-hmm. that a secular person writing this mm-hmm. gets it. Yeah. Like he's like, here is the picture of what emotional intimacy looks like. Here's the picture of what emotional connection looks like. Mm -hmm. And the problem right now, and he's quite blunt about it too. He's like, okay, I'm just going to be clear with you people. The problem right now when it's about sharing power is that men need to learn how to accept influence because women already do it. And he gives all kinds of numbers. He talks about his research. It's like women are already allowing their husbands to influence them. It tends to be men who aren't. Yeah. And when they don't let their wives influence them, mm-hmm. it has bad effects. Yeah. So it's in your best interest to learn to do this, guys. Exactly. And 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 like and it's like the biggest thing that can that can really help marriages today is for men to learn to be emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time in the church, the messages that were given yeah. Oh, yeah, are the like, exact opposite. Absolutely. Like the whole idea that men are stonewallers. That's the way God made them. Yeah. <laughs> Stonewalling is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. According to John According Gottman. According to John Gottman. And he says it's a, it's a marriage killer. Yeah. And and, and Egrich comes out and says that's what God, what Gottman preaches, that men are stonewallers. Yeah. And that's just the way God made them. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Emerson Egrich is famous for using Gottman's research, but ignoring Gottman's conclusions. And, <laughs> and when he uses the research, he distorts the numbers. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and like, I, I, I wonder what Emerson Egrich would ever say about the number that 30, only 35% of men are emotionally intelligent. Again, this is not innate to masculinity. And in this chapter, Gottman goes into detail about the way that we socialize children and how the games that little girls play are actually geared around helping them become emotionally intelligent, whereas the games that boys play are not. And so boys are growing up at a disadvantage. Like right. this is actually a big deal. And you, know, you look at the rates of, of loneliness and unhappiness, um, men much more lonely (laughs) than women are you know men are much more unhappy in general like this is a problem Mm -hmm. because men don't have these relationship skills that women have been have have had nurtured um and that does need to change you know one of the the questions that i often get by people who are pushing back on what we're saying okay Mm -hmm. is so basically what you're saying sheila is that all advice in the evangelical church is bad like it can't all be bad you know? Okay. <laughs> what would you say to that? Well, well I would say that, the, that 
the unfortunately the evangelical church has bought into this lie mm-hmm. and the lie is is that it is fundamentally essential that we see men and women as different species mm-hmm. that men and women are so entirely different that they can't even understand each other and they're totally different things we need to treat them totally differently mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing men and women as both being human beings and we have we we you know we may be different but we're often more similar to mm-hmm. like a man as as a man I might be have more things in common with some women than with most men yeah. um and because, but that's we can't think that way because it it takes these nice little defined boxes of what is a man and what is a woman and it makes them all squishy and messy and <laughs> complicated and I can't handle that my little brain's going yeah. you know and it's crazy and I think part of it's because we also have this whole belief of men need to be in charge and if men need to be in charge it's because there's something about men that's different than women mm-hmm. and all that kind of nonsense and so therefore everything we say we have to package it into gendered terms mm-hmm. and that destroys everything mm-hmm. so like the whole idea of um emotional versus logical mm-hmm. in the we talk about how men are logical and women are emotional which is garbage because there's a lot of logical women and a lot of emotional men yeah you know why don't we just talk about the value of logic and the value of not forgetting that we are emotional creatures mm-hmm. and wherever you are on that spectrum whether you're a man or a woman it doesn't matter try and be more balanced yeah <laughs> why don't we talk like that yeah and if your spouse is the opposite you need to find ways to 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 recognize mm-hmm. the strength in that because if we and believe- communicate too yeah, because if we believe men and women, if God has made men and women different, then why don't we just try to be like Christ mm-hmm. and allow the natural differences that God has made within us come out naturally, mm-hmm. rather than trying to shove ourselves in these little cookie cutters that fit some very particular person's idea of what a man is or what a person's idea of a woman is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just terrible because you can take really good advice, but you put it through those those little molds and it comes out all misshapen. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Sense. And I, I think I, I think you're right. I think the problem is that the reason that yes, I would say that the vast, vast, vast majority of marriage advice and probably parenting advice too, I would argue, but mm-hmm. maybe for different reasons in the evangelical church is bad. Mm-hmm. And it's because we start from faulty premises. Yeah. And one of the faulty premises, I think, is this gender dichotomy, which mm-hmm. is based on the idea that we need to put men in charge and therefore men and women have to be fundamentally different. And so we're going to base everything on gender stereotypes, yeah. um, which and, and we see that in what Elizabeth Elliot said about how the, the essence of femininity is to surrender and basically make herself nothing mm-hmm. um, and give up her will and everything to her husband. Whereas John Gottman is saying, actually, no, he needs your influence. Mm-hmm. When you look at studies, men need women's influence and we need to share power. So it's like the exact opposite of yeah. what is being said if you're actually looking for health. The other one, I think, that really um, makes evangelical marriage advice go off the rails is that our, our aim is wrong because our aim in evangelical marriage advice is keep the marriage together at all costs. Right. And that's why we say things like, don't bring up issues. Just leave it to God. Just pray about it. Right. Because if you bring it up, then you might realize your spouse isn't going to change. And this may cause a crisis. And this may mean that you leave your spouse. So we're going to give you advice that is going to make you stay together no matter what. Mm -hmm. So the goal is not actually for healthy marriages. The goal is for intact marriages, no matter what those marriages look like. Mm. I think part of the other thing too is that we we start with knowing the answer and then we try and find it. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to saying what's true and, and go there. And, and that's exactly the opposite, opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus yeah. said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Right. Um, and so, you know, when, when I read Gottman and I see what he says, what he, what he demonstrates is true in the world, mm-hmm. then I can take that and say, yeah, that's true because this is what 
the the way God made the world. Mm-hmm. When I come with the idea that God made the world this way and I'm going to see it in the world however I want, then I can read Gottman and totally misread it because I've already decided that men are supposed to be in charge. Yeah. So even though he's finding that men sh- shouldn't be, yeah. I can see that it's okay that men be in charge because that's the way yeah. I'm reading it because I've already got that, I've got my blinders on. Which you know? is what Nancy Piercy did, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we need to be more open to, I think we need to trust God mm-hmm. that if something is truly from him, it should work in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't, yes. we should go, you know, maybe the problem's with me, maybe the problem's with my theology, mm-hmm. um, and maybe we should, you know, do some introspection. Yeah. That's what I would say. So to wrap up, everybody, you're allowed to sweat the small stuff, okay? <laughs> if there's a problem in your marriage, you're allowed to bring it up, and bringing it up does not mean that you are necessarily fussing, shouting, hinting, manipulating whatever the other words were, (laughs) (laughs) like you are allowed to bring things up. And if there's a really negative pattern to not bring it up actually endangers your marriage in the long run. And the key to a healthy marriage isn't to make yourself nothing. It isn't to surrender everything. It isn't to pretend that your grumpy moods don't matter. It's to be curious and figure out, hey, what am I actually feeling? And then get in tune emotionally with your spouse. Yeah. And if you're the husband... Gottman's advice to you would be to find out what's going on in your wife's heart. And in your own. That's a big part of what he says. And in your own as well. Because a lot of men don't know how to talk about their own emotions. But if the teaching she's getting is don't bother your husband with all your little piddly Mm -hmm. little emotions. Yeah. Then my challenge to you as husbands out there is ask your wives. Mm -hmm. Like show them you want to know those things. Show them those things matter to you. That you want to hear their heart. So they, you know, that they can get over that hurdle. They've they've been taught to not tell you. Mm -hmm. They can actually share it with you and it'll build intimacy. Yeah. All right. As we're ending, I just want to read a couple of reviews that we haven't done from the Great Sex Rescue. Mm -hmm. Uh, We used to do that a lot in the podcast. haven't done it in a while. But if we're looking at evidence-based research, then... The Great Sex Rescue, She Deserves Better. They're based on our, our two, two of our previous studies. Um, we're so excited to one day share with you the marriage book that is based mm. on the survey that we're doing right now. Link in podcast notes. <laughs> um, but here's here's two that came in. This is a one-star review. Oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Terrible Oter. I think he meant author. Um, <laughs> terrible research. Don't waste, as in like your, your waste below your stomach. Don't uh, waste your money. Okay. Gotcha. Um, the author plays with emotion and doesn't actually do research. I read the book thinking I would get some sort of knowledge, but instead I was bored to death. Whoever follows with a uh, apostrophe, this author, I would highly question her educational background. She also tends to quote other books and doesn't read the entire book. She just wants to gain an audience with her emotional responses. Oh, those emotional women. (laughs) Oh, they don't use logic or do research. So that's that's an issue and a problem. So I will just, you know what, when your one star reviewers are like this, that's a good sign. It's a good sign. Well, so, and, she, and she's critiquing your lack of knowledge and their spelling and grammar is yeah. hideous. Oh, it's yeah. actually a man. It's oh, a man. Okay, a man. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's that's actually one thing that I often do when I'm buying books is I check out the one-star reviews. And if the one-star reviews are really stupid, it's like, yeah. this is probably a really good book. <laughs> okay. So here here's another recent recent one that came in. This is also by a man. So two by a man. Is it a good one or is it, it another It is a good one. one. It says, the best Christian sex book I've ever okay. read. I've read six or seven books on the topic of Christian sexuality, but this one is by far the best. It is research-based and does a great job of discussing years of male-centric teaching. It reviews a bunch of other texts and questions how how useful the teachings actually are. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so we still have lots of reviews coming in. There's almost, I think there's like 2,400 now or something. Mm. Um, but people are just keep telling us how life changing it is. And oh, yeah. that's, that's great to hear. So do check out, you know, just for fun, go to Amazon right now and check out the reviews for Great Sex Rescue and She Deserves Better. I just, I love reading them sometimes just to give myself some <laughs> encouragement when I need it on bad days. And uh, so thank you all for reviewing these books. It really helps. And if you have not picked them up yet, um, please do so. They'll make great Christmas gifts for like mm-hmm. Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, um, anyone that you want to influence. And we also have some amazing merch that you can get for stocking stuffers too, like our biblical womanhood, biblical manhood, prayer and tent pegs. So we will put the link to all those fun things. And remember that when you purchase those things or when you join our patron group, it just helps us keep doing what we are doing on the Bear Marriage Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. We will see you again next week. Bye. Bye-bye.